Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Kinetic Enterprise, and we have a very interesting topic for you. Let me tell you what the buzz on the street is today. Here we go. Data is the 21st century is the 21st century is like oil in the 18th century. This is a quote, by the way, from Wired.com. It's an immensely untapped valuable asset like oil for those who see data's fundamental value and learn to extract and use it. There will be huge rewards. Okay, let me start that one again. Data in the 21st century is like oil in the 18th century. That's the message I want to leave with you. Let me tell you what this all means to our conversation today. The digital world around us, yes, the world is digital, thank goodness, is supported by the evolving ecosystem of applications and services. Data flowing into the ecosystem is consumed in use case scenarios that help businesses like yours drive better insights. You need to turn that data into insights. Otherwise, it just sits there. The process of turning crude data, think crude oil, into meaningful information makes it naturally analogous to the oil that runs our machines and our cars. Now, organizations, and we're talking to all of you around the world, organizations, businesses, companies, industries are striving to reduce their technology debt by using machine learning algorithms and statistical models to derive business decisions, and this is all run by data. So, question on the table today. How can organizations evolve to meet these challenges? given that the science and art of data transformation, uh, not like same old business processes, it's a radical shift from what they've been doing for years, decades, maybe since they were started. We have two experts on the panel today. I'm very happy to welcome in just a moment Amy Withrow. She spells her last time W-I-T-H-R-O-W from Kraft Heinz and Deloitte's Harpreet Singh. Harpreet has been on other shows with me, Game Changers radio shows over the years. We're happy to have him back. They're going to share their insights on our topic today. The Kinetic Enterprise Data is the new oil. I'm your producer and host, Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. I hope everybody is well in our listening audience. Amy Withrow, please introduce our, yourself and tell us, how did you get to be an expert on our very important topic today? And what's your passion about data being the new oil? Welcome, Amy. Hey, thank you. Good morning. Um, thanks for the opportunity to join you and Harpreet today. So yes, my name is Amy Withrow. I am a longtime member of the data community within my current company, having spent the past 20 years working with data migration and transformation projects uh, and concentrating on data quality and data governance, right? So when I think data as in you know, what is data and its role within a company, what makes me kind of passionate about it is is regardless of the industry, there are not many areas of a company, think about it, right, that master data does not touch or influence. So materials, customer, vendors, any financial data. So any opportunity, Bonnie, that I have to preach about that mm. impact by users to the business, right, the importance of that within a project to get their buy-in, you know, I take that opportunity. So I need the business to treat data as that key resource as important as oil, right, as critical, and understand why they need to. Um, you know, for an example, a complete data that enables sales. Like, so if we want to put data, um, e-commerce, online sales data, right, we need that, you know, complete sales and promotions of product. We need that data. 
Um, the quality of master data drives efficiencies in supply and demand, touches that area, transportation planning, you know, mm -hmm. something like weight, right? So I'm, I'm at that foundation of master data, something like weight and volume and how, how do we use it? How, do, how accurate data, right? We want to be able to use accurate data to drive how a truck is loaded and, and fully utilized. So um, really, that's what makes me passionate because it touches every aspect of, of a business. So, um, but this whole data, you know, as a key resource, which was, has been my focus for many years, really barely scratches the surface of what the work terming, you know, data as a new oil, you know, it, what that can describe. So, and what we'll cover today. So it's no longer just, you know, where I, you know, focus on master data um, that feeds how we transact at my company or any company, but how we make decisions. So even myself as a consumer, you know, how data about me, who's collecting it, who's using my data, and then realizing how I in turn use that data that's fed back to me. Thank you. Amy, I have a question for you before we have Harpreet introduce himself. Amy, how did you get involved in this? Did you just grow up and say, I want to be a data leader? I, Mom and Dad, I want to be a data. And, and I'm, I'm saying that with affection. You know that. But seriously, no, no, yeah. how, how did you start you in this field? Background. What's your so background? Actually, yeah, growing up, I always wanted to actually be a newscaster. But really, I ended up... Um, <laughs> you know, in the business dealing with data, data. And, and, and I always say, you know, I didn't choose data, data chose me. And so really the path to data systems IT, it's, it's not one that I worked toward or even pictured myself for in the future. But um, early in my career as a user of data and, and just, you know, what I found myself being chosen to, you know, help in projects and in, in the data area, right? And becoming that super user that worked with IT. So, you know, when there was opportunities then for projects where we needed, what I always look for is somebody in the business who's passionate and who wants to get the data right. I was that person. So really my interest hmm. in data grew. And then the interest, I guess, of the IT world um, in me grew and, and leadership helped me move into that area. So... Thank you very much. I was just wondering that could be a new, a new, uh, a new career path. Kids growing up saying, "I want to be a data champion," just like Amy Withrow. <laughs> I love it, and I say that with great admiration, Amy. I hope you know that. Thank you very, very much. We're delighted to have you on the show. You are a newcomer, and we're we're delighted to meet you, Harpreet Singh. Welcome back to working with me on the radio. I hope you've been well. And Harpreet, why don't you, just in case, Harpreet, there's somebody in the world who doesn't know who you are. I know that's impossible. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what's your passion for the data is the new oil topic. Go ahead, Harpreet. Hey, Bonnie. Great to have, great, great to be there. And uh, love, love talking to you always. I'm always excited. This was one of those shows I was looking forward to. So thank you very much for calling me. Um, yes, uh, data. Data is is probably I feel like one of my family members. I've been <laughs> with, I've been there working along on data probably more than I've been with my family. So it's, yes, it's been fifteen long years. Um, uh, probably there's not been a single day that I have not spoken the keyword data, um, and, and and I I deal with enterprise data management for for different organizations. Um, I've I've worked on analytics. That's when I started my career. Um, I started working as more of a a reporting guy um, uh, started building a data warehouse for my first company I worked for um, and moved from there to different uh, industries. And what I felt was, be it life sciences or consumer products or chemicals, uh, 
data is is one of the very very key ingredients for for companies and like amy said th- there's probably not even a single corner of uh, of an enterprise which would n- which would not deal with data data is the flow it 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 goes along everywhere and i'd love to i love to call myself um, Dr. Data, when people call me Dr. Data, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> and, and uh, we I try to love, I like solving problems on data. It, it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's not just science, it's art. And it, it, it works very well for me to co- collaborate my artistic thoughts into how to solve uh, technical issues. And, and that's what I love about data. I love it. Dr. Data and Data is, is like family to you. I, I, I am so impressed with both of you. You're, you're putting I a know. smile. This is, this is great. I, I have been to, yeah, go ahead, Amy. No, I'm just saying, I, along with that Dr. Data, I've been his patient, we'll call it many times. So <laughs> I have to tell both of you that I was a programmer analyst back in the day when we were key punching. My first uh, first mainframe was a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5, and then I graduated to an IBM 4341. We're talking COBOL, we're talking PL1. Anybody remember those? I was a real crackerjack <laughs> programmer. But what I want to say was we used to call IT, information technology, back in the day, we called it data processing. That was just what we talked uh, about, right? Yeah. It wasn't uh, information management systems. We didn't talk about that. It was, I'm in, I work in data processing. I'm a programmer analyst. Nobody was saying, well, are you more of a programmer and analyst? Hey, I used to have a consultant in, I was in uh, Eugene, Oregon at the time, and there was a gentleman who was a consultant to the community college system. He was in Salem, the, I guess it's the, no, not Portland, Salem, Oregon. And you call me up and you both get a kick out of this. He'd say, Bonnie, get a piece of paper out on your desk. And I'd say, sure, Alan. He'd say, okay, draw a horizontal line across the top and draw four lines vertically that intersect this and put these headers at the top of the, of the four, five columns that the four lines created. And now draw a couple of horizontals and put these in. He said, this is the program I want you to code. This is the data we need for the community college system in the state of Oregon. Now you can start doing it. And based on that I would create the programs, the code to give him what he needed to solve whatever wow. the problem was. That's how yeah. we did it back in the day. Is this amazing to both of you? Yes, the evolution. <laughs> wow. Right? The evolution. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what, our topic today, right? Absolutely. So data is the new oil and data was always that new oil. Thank you both for, for your very, I will say, charming backgrounds. I, I love it. I, I haven't heard people be that passionate and that um, have that much fun with the word data ever. So, hey, <laughs> delighted to speak to you. Now, now, we're going to get to the quotes you submitted. Amy, don't be mad at me, but the quote you sent from Mahatma Gandhi, he really didn't originate exactly that version. Uh, he died in 1948, and the version of you must be the change you wish to see in the world wasn't starting to be talked about until 1974. Ah, and it was okay. a book chapter written by an educator named Arlene Lawrence, L-O-R-R-A-N-C-E. The title of the chapter was the love project and she initiated and facilitated the project but I'm going to read the Gandhi version and then have you explain how it relates to the topic so here is the quote that he really said and I think you'll like this as well he said if we could change ourselves the tendencies in the world would also change as a man changes his own nature so does the attitude of the world change towards him we need not wait to see what others do very powerful words, Amy. So I think we ended up with something that's even bigger than the quote that you quoted from Gandhi, I, who was yeah. basically, so what do you think? Why did you pick this for our topic today? Go ahead. 
Well, now that you've explained it, it actually, I, I think you might have cringed at the fact that I picked a Gandhi quote originally, but um, I, I think it does feel a little bit more fun. But it, it truly is a quote that I can apply not just in my work, but uh, personally, right? So, you know, when when I think about if we could change ourselves, that will change the world. Like that's setting that example, even just for my kids, you know, who do I want them to be? You know, what do I want them to accomplish and influence, right? But then if I think being in IT, working on transformational projects, change, change is something that, and you know, I keep talking about the business, it can be denied, avoided, fought, working with the business uh, to transform their processes through tools, whatever, you know, we need to promote that change. So I, I need to be that change. I need to live that change and promote movement to more efficient tools, processes, um, and in any way, right? And that's why I like this quote is to bring the, the business really along in that change. Thank you very much. I do love the quote, and I'm a stickler, you know, with so much time on people's hands today, Amy. I enjoy, I, I'm a very good friend of Quote Investigator. That's like the ah. Bible of quotes. And they have the most interesting questions. People will say, did Gandhi say this, or was it Churchill, or was it Elton John, or was it John F. Kennedy? And then they, they go through the litany of how they research the quote, and it's absolutely fascinating. So you you might really enjoy that. So yeah. thank you very much like for giving me Snopes. A Snopes for a... <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's what Snopes used to be. And by the way, a Mahatma Gandhi, the honorific Mahatma means great souled or venerable in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. It was first applied to him in 1914, a year after he said this in South Africa. And we now say that about him all over the world, Mahatma. So thank you, Amy. Let's move around the table to Harpreet. And Harpreet has sent us a quote from Muhammad Ali. Hey, born Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr., 1942 to 2016. Mm -hmm. A lot of us remember him very well. He was a professional boxer, an activist, and a philanthropist nicknamed The Greatest. He was widely regarded as one of the most significant and celebrated sports figures of the 20th century and one of the greatest boxers of all time. I'm going to read the full quote, the way he supposedly said it, Harpreet. You're going to forgive me for this, too. Float like a <laughs> butterfly. Okay, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. His hands can't hit what his hands can't see. Now you see me, now you don't. George thinks he will, but I know he won't. So that apparently was the full quote. So Harpreet, we, I don't think we've ever had a quote from Muhammad Ali in all of my radio shows in the past decade. So tell me, how did you pick this and what in the world does it have to do with Data the New Oil? Yeah, you know what? I was always enchanted by uh, Muhammad Ali as a personality. He he was very outspoken. What I what I read about him, of of course, I wasn't there in his era, but but uh, he he always had advice and and uh, comments about what's going on in the world, how the trends are changing, how the culture should be. So I I loved reading about him, and this is one of those which kind of connected with me on on the data front as well. Uh, it, it's it's also funny that Amy chose quote from Father of the Nation of India, with where I come from, and I chose a quote from uh, <laughs> boxer in, in America. So it's it's fun. It's it's fun to to be connected like this in this global world. Um, but but yes, coming back to the quote, uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Hands can't hit what the eyes can't see. So I feel yes, you got to excel in what you do, and I, I always feel. Um, you, your profession, your career is is something you love, and and a butterfly loves to float, and bee like loves to sting, and and for that, uh, what you need to have is cohesiveness. Cohesiveness is the key. Uh, you got to be connected to your skills, to your powers, and mm -hmm. and 
if there is a team who's working together, there are certain people who are good in certain areas and there are certain other folks who are good in their their jobs. And and if they don't talk to each other in a cohesive way, uh, then the result, the outcome doesn't come out in a well well shaped form. If we fail together, we succeed together. So so it's I feel in, in the area of data, IT and business, they have to be cohesive to each other. Business provides the requirements. They they tell you what they want to see, what they want what what they know business better than anybody else. But IT is the one who is an enabler to provide mm-hmm. their abilities of data to them. Uh, what can you technically go to uh, whether it's right or wrong, business is going to tell that. So I feel the hands are your IT and they cannot hit what the eyes, what the businesses cannot see. So that that's where I felt this is a very apt uh, uh, quote from one of my favorites, Muhammad Ali, for this show. I love it. Thank you so much. Great quotes from both of you. And I really appreciate your sense of humor and the camaraderie we've already established here. This is great. I have to do a shout out before we go to our discussion statements for our, our the actual roundtable segment. Shout out to Malia Aguilar, who works so hard putting these shows together. She's with Deloitte, as well as Carla Neil Slavin and Helen Thomas. And I'm delighted to say that they have renewed the show from the original commitment to a full year. So we have a lot to share on the Kinetic Enterprise. And that's really, really good news so let's go around the table here's what amy told me in her notes i'll read a little bit from this and ask you to expand it then i'm going to find out what harpreet has to say about it then i'll pick a statement from harpreet and he will expand it and then we'll see what amy has to say and go back and forth and remember the two of you i know you like each other very much but you are allowed and even encouraged to disagree or to raise the bar or to say yes and or yes but which is what we say in improv it's always yes and or yes but not no so you're, you're welcome to do that, and we want you to add your own thought leadership to all the topics. So Amy said the following, the importance of data science, she says. The quote, data is the new oil, goes back to 2006. It was quoted first by mathematician Clive Humby, and it still holds great relevance. Data is the oil of the digital era. I know we've been talking about this so far in the introduction, but uh, just give me a little more about this. Amy, you want to add a little bit? Right. Um, and I apologize. I think this was actually Harpreet's quote, uh, Bonnie. So um, do you want him to take right. it? Yeah. Harpreet, yeah. Want, yeah. Harpreet, yeah. take it. Go ahead. Yep. All right. Um, importance of data science. Yes, absolutely. I feel um, that this quote, data is a new oil, is one of those uh, quotes that keep going um, and coming back after uh, a couple of years, um, I've seen articles uh, where uh, there are um, intellectuals who would agree or some disagree. Uh, some would say data is not the new world. And, and there are really interesting um, the points mentioned. Um, I've been reading about it much before uh, we, we discussed uh, this topic here. Um, but, but yes, Clive Hamby spoke about it uh, back in 2006. It's been more than a decade. And still, um, th- th- there's so much relevance to it. I feel, I strongly feel about this quote, uh, um, Bonnie. And uh, it, it's it's funny, uh, it was around a year back when we were talking about this topic, information swamp or data lake. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, that was that was such an such a great discussion with um, our, our peers there, the the untapped untapped potential um, in the swamp of of data is is something organizations have been tapping into, and some have been successful, some have some have got gotten some meaningful perspectives, and but there are others who are and 
quite a lot who are still struggling in this information swamp. Big data projects are not easy to, to, to deal with, especially when, like you said, we, we, when we deal them as like data processes, mm-hmm. that not about processes, it's about, it's about taking the, uh, the, the patterns, the analogies, the algorithms out of data and, and co- converting them into meaningful perspectives. And, and that's where I feel uh, the, the art of data science, the methods of data science will become very, very important in near future as well, uh, as we realize the importance of data science into, into the new world of data. Data scientists are becoming a lot more relevant um, the, the, the jobs around data scientists, the, the studies, the education on data scientists is, is gaining a lot of importance. And I feel that's where the world of data is, is changing. Um, and, and data as a new oil is getting a lot more new meanings out of that. Thank you, Harpreet. Amy, join us. Thoughts, please. Add what you think about this. Go ahead. Right, right. Yeah. Data as the new oil. I mean, as a metaphor, right? It, it's just so clear to me because you know, if, if we just think truly metaphor, right? Oil in its raw raw form must be refined. And I know I've been through many, many projects where that refinement of data was was clear and very critical to the success of the project, right? And then what is what is oil used? But it's used to to run engines and and that will never, you know, you know, we as a you know, an oil data, it's it's used to really run a company. It really goes back to how, you know, I mentioned it, it touches every part of a company. So, I mean, without it, we wouldn't be able to run that engine that is our company. So for me, that's that's the key for that data being the, the oil. Thank you very much. I'm looking at your statement number two, Amy, evolution of data sources. Okay, if I go there, I think it's interesting. Look back. Okay. You say, imagine what was our source of data in the 80s. Books in the 90s, search engines like Google took over in the 2000s, the 2000 aughts, if you will. Data was more mobile than ever before. iPhones. And now here's we sit in 2020. And some say, Amy, that we're in the beginning of a new decade. Some say it doesn't start until 2021. So we're living in a world where there are 900 million Facebook posts per day. Data is absolutely everywhere. And people don't even think of it that way. Amy, want to give us some social perspective on this? I can definitely some social perspective. I actually think back. You you talked about key punching, right? So if yes. we go back, <laughs> key punching, and then I think when I started, um, data was delivered in green bar. Do you remember that? Um, oh yeah. So, oh yeah. I have it. I still have green right. bar paper. I still have it. Oh my. <laughs> I saved it. Right. Right. And, and so even in the start of my career, just up till now, the the changes, right? And who would have who would think that not only are we able to get our data from so many, so many sources, right? Um, it, we, we've gone from 80s where we read books and, and this, that was really our source of data. So I, I had a set of encyclopedias, right, in my home. Not, <laughs> as soon as it printed, it was already out of date, right? So how do you keep up with data when you're printing and, and even a newspaper when it's delivered, it's out of date the, the next day. So data evolves. And, and when we talk about, um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on artificial intelligence. It evolves constantly. And, and we talk about the 900 million Facebook friends. Well, that's that's 900, uh, I'm sorry, Facebook posts. That's 900 million really new data sources that we have every day. It's it's ever changing. And, and so um, it's no longer data as yesterday's news. You know, we're behind the times, but it, it's constantly feeding us. And I think we're, we're living a lot of that today, right? Um, very relevant. 
Thank you. It absolutely is. And it's good to have that social perspective, that evolutionary perspective, if you will. And that goes back to the title of the show, The Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve. So we're looking at a very important evolution. Harpreet, join us. Thoughts on books and phones and Googling everything and how data is just swirling around us. Harpreet, thoughts? Yeah, and no, I totally agree. I mean, what you said, uh, it, data is one of those um, uh, points where, yes, we have had evolution in many, many uh, different areas. We've, we, our, our transportation has been improving and we, we, yes. we've, uh, we've got better houses with so many different facilities. But data is one of those things that um, I feel has evolved the maximum um, it's gone faster and faster like never before. Um, internet has has revolutionized all of us, and that's that's from the 90s. Uh, these search engines like Google and Yahoo, when they came in, um, I remember it was such a great help when when we were into um, uh, dead uh, deadlines to to deliver um, some tough projects and we had to code and we did not know what the coding is. <laughs> great, help. Uh, great source of cheating, right? <laughs> and and we loved it. And and that's that has gone since till, from now till from then till now. And I, I love the fact that uh, we all as a community, as a data community, we, we've been posting so many different experiences that we learn from each other through these interconnected uh, posts and blogs. And and uh, really, um, I, I see the future also going in the same mode that we're going to have more and more postings like that. Uh, we're going to love, uh, we're going to love uh, the, the new trends around uh, technology, take, using data for the betterment of the human life. Uh, 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 we're going to talk about a little more about how health industry and on some other industries are using data and how the kinetic enterprise is going to going to help the human mankind in in becoming a better uh, world around us. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited on that. Thank you very much. Let's talk about some of the I'm looking through your notes here and where we've got a lot about data being the new oil and uh, use of Let's, you want to talk about the applications? I'm just going to toss this to both of you. Let, let's talk about these new technologies. Let's talk about algorithms from artificial intelligence, from machine learning. Mm -hmm. What's happened? Let me just open this wide open rather than just following along with your discussion statements, the two of you. Amy, let's talk about how data is the new oil. What is machine learning doing for this? What is artificial intelligence doing? What is the role of algorithms? Are they really serving us as a civilization? Are they, are they helping get rid of the biases? Are they instilling biases of the people who do the coding for the algorithms? This is always going to be something we deal with. So, Amy, let's talk about these new technologies, please. Go ahead. Sure. If we talk about, um, you know, we've talked about the evolution, right? So we think about how did we, how did we compute the data? How did we um, share the data, then consume the data? It was all really within our minds. And so now we've got this artificial intelligence. There just is, is, would be too much data for us to even handle without, you know, the machines that are, are, are taking that data in. And, and processing it for us and helping us to build you know, better detail, learn from the new input, build better processes, better decisions. But you, know, you mentioned um, you know, how reliant are we on it and, and what is the, uh, the risk. But, but right now for me, um, data is more valuable than oil because there is so much coming in. And with that artificial intelligence, we're able to turn it around, that repetitive data, and, and, and use it 
to um, you know process that large amount of data, um, adjust to the input, uh, and, and then adjust our processes at work to you know how we how we manage our trucks. Right, we're actually able to feed data where um, within supply chain, within transportation, where where you know how what's the temperature of our trucks, what's the mm -hmm. speed. You know, what's the, um, you know, we, we can look, we can actually better keep track of our inventory. We're feeding in, right, the, the turnover of our inventory or where the inventory is. And, and then in turn, then we're sending data back out just to make the processes better. So anytime that we have something that's more, you know, help us to compute that data, react faster, um, that's, that's so key to, to keeping up that value of data. Thank you, Amy. Harpreet, love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, yes. So uh, like we've been saying, 900 million Facebook posts and how data is all around us, data, data everywhere. That's another one of those quotes like data is a new oil. And, and really, I feel if um, there is no um, enhanced technology, advanced uh, ways of fetching the information from this data around us, then you can't really you can't really uh, use utilize the data for for your for our organizations it's it it becomes it it becomes of no use so so why would you uh, why would you you uh, keep this data if you can't utilize it and that's where the crudeness of data to the oil really becomes important technology is the way is the enabler to get us to the right decisions and and like amy said um oh yeah in in uh, warehouses supply chain that utilizes machine learning in a big way today. Um, there are um, there are ways that you can keep uh, certain specific tools and devices on 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 the trucks that are taking uh, our, our um, inventory from one place to another. And if there's any problem with the truck, you, you get to know in a very um, intuitive scorecard that which of if which of my uh, trucks are not working or something's going wrong, and it, it it's so quick and you can react quickly and you can you can make it happen. And if you think about how it impacts us, yes, the people who are waiting for that inventory, the con our consumers, they get um, the stock at the right time in a fresh way, and that impacts their lives. Yeah, yeah. So, so having machine learning impacting our life i think it's it's a little understated right now um we don't know there are many things that machine learning and ai is right. providing us and making our lives better uh through these technologies that probably uh that that's happening at the back end and we we don't even realize that i think you're right data really only has a value if we if it's data in the form that we can use it you know we can um you know bring it in have it have it um what would you say the technology to be able to turn it around and use it? That's the only way it really is um, valuable to us um, today. Got to keep Thank up. Thank you. Got to keep up. And I have a great example here from Harpreet. Uh, I've seen this example before. I think it's worthy of repetition. You say, taking one example, Harvard published a research study called Better Together in which it proved yes. how artificial intelligence, I'm, I'm going to let you give the results of this and this will, and this is, just a small amount of percents between what the artificial intelligence could do versus the human expert. So go ahead, Arpre, give us this example. And, and, and you and Amy, if you have any other use cases, I'd love to hear them. Sure. Yeah, no, this, this is one of my uh, favorite ones that I've wanted to talk about um, <laughs> because it, it really impacts our health. These are tough times and 
um, we we um, as as humans have our limitations. There's there's a power above us who would always um, command and uh, tell us how how to deal with problems, and and we learn and we we move on, right? So so this better together is an interesting research study that Harvard did and. I loved reading uh, how how it um, how it impacted our lives. Um, this is about AI directly impacting impacting somebody uh, from from um, li living a longer life. It, it's it's about that. So so uh, here's the here's the study. Um, the pathologists who um, who were dealing with uh, uh, cases around breast cancer, um, they always have their uh, ways to analyze and figure out whether um, uh, the, the patient has breast cancer or not. Um, they are somewhat accurate uh, and based upon the study. Uh, there was around 97, 96% accuracy in this field uh, for, for pathologists to say, yep, uh, there is breast cancer or there's not. Uh, the results of that is is big, right? So you start the uh, medicines and you start the procedure to fix it only if your uh, if your uh, assessment is right, and if if it's wrong, and you start the medicine process, that 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 may lead to bigger problems. So accuracy is very important uh, for patients and and for the lives to sustain. Um, so so they always look for better and better numbers. Ninety six percent, ninety seven percent is great, but that four percent is our human lives. So it's it's a big deal. So they they figured out how how can we use technology to make um, this study, this anal uh, this uh, uh, research better. And they, they used AI technologies, tools to, to come up with um, better predictions. Um, their initial results were not good. Um, it was less than 96%. Uh, but then uh, the key, the secret ingredient here was, how can you use patterns? How can you use some of the previous pathologist results their reasons, the root causes, those kind of information that, that can be picked up and ported into this AI algorithmic um, technology to come up with better uh, results. And based on the pattern matching matches, of course, after a lot of um, uh, back and forth on what could, what could be tweaked in the algorithms, they have achieved an accuracy of 99.5% now. Mm -hmm. and that was amazing that now that 3.5% of the patients are getting better service. Um, the results, the, uh, the predictions are better. And that's directly, as I said, impacting human lives. And that's, that's an amazing one for, for me to cherish that data has changed uh, lives of people and AI is, is a big deal in this. Harpreet, great example. And I just Googled the same topic and I came up with an interesting one that's a, basically a side-by-side -side or a companion to what you said. Artificial intelligence, this is from Medical News Today, an article from actually May 20th last year. So the title is Artificial Intelligence Better Than Humans at Spotting Lung Cancer. Researchers uh -huh. have used a deep learning algorithm to detect lung cancer accurately from computed tomography scans. The results indicate that AI can outperform human evaluation of these scans. And they say that in some, in fact, some scientists argue the CAT scans are superior to x-rays, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, however, a high rate of false positives and false negatives still riddles the procedure. And they're saying that uh, AI apparently is out 
out progressing. Yes, TSE and this is a person say and colleagues adopt applied a form of AI called deep learning. Get this to forty two thousand two hundred ninety LDCD scans, which they accessed from the Northwestern Electronic Data Warehouse and other sources belonging to Northwestern Medicine Hospitals in Chicago. The deep learning algorithm enables computers to learn by example. In this case, the researchers trained the system using a primary LDCT scan together with an earlier scan if it was available. Prior scans are useful because they can reveal an abnormal growth on lung nodules. In the current study, the AI provided an automated image evaluation system that accurately predicted the malignancy of lung nodules without any human intervention. Are you getting chills, Amy? Seriously? Uh, more than you, than you would know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, in, in, well, it's just when, when we talk about the value of data versus oil right there, we just, we, how do you even follow up to say, you know, data must be way more valuable than oil if it's saving lives. Right. So um, right there, you guys just nailed, nailed it. Um, for me, right, and if I think about, you know, that's a, a very, a very large example, but even down to, so saving lives, but, but saving time. So, you know, they're collecting data through, um, through our cars, uh, through, through even, you know, when we use Google Maps, right, if I, I override and I take a left turn, they're collecting that data. So, you know, obviously the next time I'm, I'm looking for directions, same directions, they're, they're saving me time because they're, they're collecting that data. They're continually um, evolving the data. So, you know, whether it's reading through and those predictions and, and trends, right, in, in health and saving lives, but all the way down to our everyday life, right? There's, think of all the opportunities in between, right? Absolutely. And that brings me to Harpreet's statement number two. Harpreet, let's get down to everyday life. And you say, it's fascinating to hear how every electronic device we use, thermostats, mm -hmm. washing machines, phones, watches, steamers, cars, I don't have a steamer, cars, televisions, <laughs> security cameras can be a source of data sharing to data brokers. We haven't talked about data brokers and data trading. Mm -hmm. You say Internet of Things, IoT gives opportunities to businesses to collect real time and increasingly detailed data about, everybody put your seatbelt on for this, about the habits, the lives, the activities, the preferences of consumers. That's you and me and everybody listening. In many instances, these companies may transfer or disclose or sell this information to third parties. These include consumption rate data, location data, health-related data, and even, and I'm getting goosebumps, not a good kind here, Harpreet, the recordings of children's voices. Harpreet, why don't you go ahead and scare us a little bit, please? <laughs> and how should enterprises be handling this data trading? I'm not happy with this, but it's reality. Give us a reality check, Harpreet, then we'll find out what Amy has to say. Go ahead. Yeah, it it you're right. It is it is a reality. It's out there, and it's it's uh, somewhere. Um, the the people using these devices they do not realize that these devices are half humans today. So they listen to you. They they capture your inputs. They act based on that. Um, it's it's great in certain areas and it's it is dangerous in certain other areas absolutely you're right um so so for me i feel um yeah as as a technology enabler 
um i i feel this is a this is a great it's a great area to be in this is a great era to be in that i am able to bring my technology expertise into so many different uh, zones of life walks of life it's not just restricted to a laptop um it's all around me and my, i can switch on uh, a light by just saying yep switch it on mm-hmm. <laughs> i can i if and i i think the next thing is if i think about it then it can switch it on that yep i want to switch it on i don't even have to speak so so yes absolutely uh it's a great thing uh from technology perspective but yes the the power can be uh dangerous if it's in the wrong hands and that's where i feel uh, somewhere we got to find ways to to restrict that we got to define some laws around it we'll we'll talk about that as as a separate point i, I guess but really um the the real time feeds that go um i think we we all know as consumers we know all know about the outtakes the outflows of data mm-hmm. when we are when we are um um driving a car like amy was giving that example the maps tell us where to go so we know about the outflow of this data coming out to us and helping us out what we don't know is and in certain cases we do but many times we don't is the inflow of data what we do our actions go into the devices and um, yeah. they are used not just for our benefits but they are used for others they, they are used to uh, to to decide what we like and and mm-hmm. that can Right. to decide the patterns of the market um exactly. so i feel this is a great this is a great area but has to have some restrictions yeah. we've got to find those ways right amy, we, we, amy joy yeah. let's go ahead yeah. go ahead we hear our phones we like track our moves right and it knows you know how long it you know i get in my car and it right away tells me hey here's how long it's going to take you to get back home it knows right where i am how long it's going to take me to get back home but you know we talk about um appliances but I'll talk about my car again but um my car reacts to I'll call it my bad driving um but like Amy. it will it will actually ding and suggest maybe you should rest if i cross a line more than once or twice right so and then you know if i'm driving along and my dashboard lights up and beeps right it's feeding me data right saying oh you're you're going too fast the car in front of you you know is not accelerating but and i think okay great thank you but like if that data is being collected um and shared is that being shared with insurance companies and maybe not specifically about wow amy with her might be a bad driver but just you know um if that's the case and it's being shared and making a car help us to be better drivers great but if it's hey amy withrow hey insurance companies then that's not a good uh sharing of of data maybe i'm overthinking hey. right but <laughs> it's one of the things that does cross your mind i don't um, think you are overthinking at all go ahead amy go ahead but in business right companies can can transform their their supply chain approach you know based on hey, they they use data then they're going to feed that data back out right so we've talked about you know tracking um the trucks locations the speeds the temperature so we're they're using that data and they're feed, you know and the trucks are feeding that data back so it's really it's it's going to correct issues and and what i like is it corrects master data so it gets back down to my my passion right master data that with you know if you don't have correct master data if you're um, analyzing right then then you're you're going to be off a little bit so any kind of detail that we can bring in that will strengthen our master data our the core foundation is um is really a benefit 
Thank you very much. Harpreet, I'm looking through your notes here, and here's something. Let, let's turn this back toward companies, organizations, industries. Let's turn this back on our main topic here, the purpose of the show, the kinetic enterprise. I'm going to read a little bit from your statement number four, Harpreet, and I think this will make a good, oh, we've got about 12 minutes left. This will be a good capper to a really good conversation with you and Amy. You say Gartner's ratings. As per Gartner's ratings on projects where AI is used to derive information, 85% of such projects fail. It's not the product or the methods of implementation. It relates to organizational change management. This is key. Harpreet, please expand this for us. Tell us more. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, this is uh, this is a ground reality. Um, I think uh, the the key here is uh, when when we when we deliver projects which are related to um, a simple say. Uh, a, a reporting analytics platform, or it could be something related to an SAP ERP implementa implementation, um, we have a reference point. We've done this before, and it, it becomes something that we know what a success is. Uh, but in this new world, and especially as you talked about Canadic Enterprise, uh, it's very important to be connected with different applications uh, it's important. This is the cloud world. There, there, there is, there are applications all around. It's a cooperation kind of environment where you have to, you have to understand all these applications around you. You have to, you cannot just live in a silos and and just say that yep, my project is delivered best and and that works well for me. Uh, no, if you if you cannot talk to these different environments, if your data is not clean, if your um, if, if you are taking too much of technology depth on you by um, making a lot of customizations in your applications, absolutely the projects would, would suffer. They would fail. And Gartner um, brought it up about uh, AI that 85% of the projects on AI fail. A lot of reasons are related to the soul of Kinetic Enterprise, like I was talking about the cloud, the clean data. We got mm -hmm. to have these ingredients into our uh, projects to make them successful. AI is one space where, as I said earlier, there's no reference point. Uh, we are all uh, evolving and learning that what a success of AI project means. And really the connectivity of data to algorithms, the how pattern matching machine learning works. I think uh, that connection is, is something which doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy in the first time. You have to see how it fails, and then you have to evolve based off that. Um, so really, the combination of the mantras of Canadic Enterprise with with the algorithmic understanding of usage of data, I think that that's the key to success there. <clears throat> Thank you, Amy. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And how is this going at your company, AI Projects? If you can share something of that with us, the idea of change management, of the evolution of, of the whole world of what AI can bring in terms of, uh, Harpreet mentioned, clean data. Where is it? How is it? Is it new? Is it old data? Is it good data? Is it not so good data? Is it harvestable? Are there any insights to be gained from it? Should it go back in the swamp? Go ahead, Amy. Love to hear your, your yeah. real world thoughts. Go ahead. No, in, in my real world, I, I have not, unfortunately, had a chance really to, 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 to 
dig into an AI project or one that is utilizing AI. And I and I when I think of artificial intelligence, right, in the data world, for me, it's more the business as usual opportunities and and the groups that are utilizing it to say, hey, you know, what's the repetitive data that's being keyed, right, from a um, whether it's order entry or um, you know solving solving deductions, right? That's really where the the opportunities are. And, and, and I unfortunately have not had a chance to, to really get involved. I know there's so many opportunities. That's why this topic is so, I would say, just exciting for me. I love to hear Heartpreet talk about it, right? And um, in my role, not involved, but I know there's, um, you know, maybe in a future, right, to be able to talk about exactly what, what the company's doing. Thank you. Harpreet, do you have any uh, use cases of clients you'd like to share with us? We have a few more minutes left. I'd love to hear more about this change management and the, the review cycle. And also, Harpreet, what's the tolerance level? We talk on our financial excellence show I do for SAP. We talk sometimes about mm -hmm. the risk level, the tolerance level of, of things, of projects failing, of things not coming out right. What's the tolerance level in companies with this change management cycle, Harpreet? How do they deal with, well, you said it didn't really happen right the first way we didn't get it right how long do they keep trying or do they see that light at the end of the tunnel that it is going to be a good result that the data will be more useful Harpreet any observations you could share with us please yeah absolutely uh, for for me I feel uh, when when I I would interact with the clients my first uh, motive always is to to set the expectations right and and uh, not see these projects on AI um, as, as something that you invest in and you get immediate results. Um, it, it is absolutely a little bit of uh, uh, research that you got to do. And uh, yes, uh, when, when it comes to industries, there are certain industries which have evolved and they are, they are gaining results out of it quicker. Um, and there's certain other industries who are kind of learning and going in the trends. So, so yes, the tolerance level varies i would say um in consumer products I, i'd say uh, it, it's absolutely um, th there is a lot more usage of of uh, ai and and uh, a lot of because we directly deal with consumers so there's more data to to see to learn from and because of that the results are are out there and because of some of the past failures i think organizations companies have learned from them and and moved on and become better um, so, so in my projects, in one of my projects, we, uh, we, we use these pattern matches um, to read the customer sentiments and uh, based upon the different um, blogs and uh, reviews that customers had made, uh, we, could, we could analyze whether a new brand that has been launched, is, is, this, is this the right um, uh, feedback coming from the customers? Is there anything that we got to improve based upon that? Mm -hmm those kind of uh, sentiments coming out there on Twitter and, and blogs. So, so really that, that was an interesting one to deal and um, unstructured data comes as a big, big thing there. How do we, how do we read that data and, and um, make meaningful um, uh, turns out of it, say out of the 5,000 sentiments that, that are there out there on a brand with the keyword hashtag, um, of is 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 the trend more towards a negative sentiment that yep I didn't like it my kid did not like it or was this more about a positive um, uh, viewpoint that yep this is an awesome 
taste or awesome brand for, for me to use and I'm going to continue using it in the future. So those sentiments really matter for, for, for the organizations. And I was lucky to be part of one of those projects where we delivered that and it was, it was damn successful. Thank you, Harpreet. I just want to add a little note here. Anybody still not sure what unstructured data is or how massive it is? I, I looked it up mm. on Wikipedia. By in 1998, that's a long time ago. Merrill Lynch said unstructured <laughs> data. I know unstructured data comprises the vast majority of data found in an organization. Some estimates run as high as 80 percent. Okay, and then they say as of 2012, IDC and Dell EMC project that. Get this. Unstructured data will grow to 40 zettabytes by this year, 2020. That project projected estimate was eight years ago, resulting in a 50-fold growth from the beginning of 2010. They predict the global data sphere. I never heard that word before. The global data sphere will grow to 163 zettabytes by 2025, and the majority of that data will be unstructured. Computer World Magazine states that unstructured information might account for more than 70 to 80% of all data in organizations. Harpreet, are you shocked or are you saying, yep, that's right. What do you think? Yeah, no, that, that I, yeah, those numbers are, are phenomenally um, shocking, I would say, but, but yes, I know that it's, it's growing and it's, it's out there. Um, even, even in um, early 2000s, um, unstructured data was uh, talk of the town always in, in, in our IT world, but I, I see the usage of that unstructured data with AI and machine learning is becoming a lot more prevalent now. Um, it, it, it was there, but it, it wasn't as much used. It was a lot untapped, uh, but today there's so much there's so much we can do with this unstructured data. So, so I'm really excited Thank on that. Thank you very much. It's time for predictions. I got about 30 seconds for each of you. I know. Hurry up and wait. Here we are after 57 minutes. So we have 30 seconds left. Amy Withrow at Kraft Heinz, so happy to meet you. Really enjoyed speaking with you. You have a prediction of what's going to happen to data, data, data. Will we still be saying it's the new oil by 2025? Look into the crystal ball and tell me what you see, please. Sure. Right. So if I think about, you know, sometimes you have to look into the past to see the future. And I've mentioned, you know, the the green bar, right? So for, you know, 20 years, we've gone from green bar to talking about artificial intelligence. It's almost something that maybe we saw on the Jetsons and, and we thought we'd never be able to, to see something like that. Um, so really just, just thinking um, just five years out, right? The the changes that could happen. And, uh, you know, I, I live in a master data world, which is pretty static, right? And for me, my prediction is that we will see a lot more, you know, and I want to, um, in just hearing Harpreet talk about it, just, you know, artificial intelligence is a lot about um, moving data, transactional data, analytical data, but I'd like to see, you know, where, where we can utilize it more in the um, master data, more static data, right? So that, that's what I'm predicting, that we'll just see it get even bigger. Thank I'm you, Harpreet. I appreciate that. Harpreet, 20 seconds for you. What do you see? What's your prediction? Well, I, my prediction is linked to data and also links to some of the tough times we are all facing today. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think uh, in, in five years or so, more than 60% of our doctor visits are going to be replaced by automated exams. I, I think we will 
years. Wow. And, and I would hope, I'm going to predict hopefully that root canals will be done with a laser and they'll take five minutes and there won't be any pain and you won't have yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, I'm predicting yeah. that the dental, dental okay. science will catch up. There you go. Amy, I like, like that one. Of, I like these type of predictions. Yes. There, me too. We, we got to move civilization forward. Amy Withrow at Kraft Heinz. Such a pleasure to meet you. I know you're a singer in a band. Like Keep on one. making music. Yeah. The world needs it. Me Lord too. knows we all need it. Harpreet uh, Singh, so wonderful to reunite with you, to reconnect. I'm very grateful to both of you. Great conversation, great insights. And of course, thank you to Malia Aguilar, Carla Neal Slavin, and Helen Thomas at Deloitte for putting this together. And Aaron Keller, my engineer at World Talk Radio, the man with the nerves of steel well beyond his years on this planet. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody, all I'll say is be safe, be smart, be well. Talk to you again soon next week on the Deloitte Kinetic Enterprise Podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.